thank you for joining us on The Business Advantage. I am Alicia M. Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. Today, we are doing something a little bit different than what you're used to hearing, and we are doing what's called a case study. Now, the idea for this came from the case studies that we are used to seeing in athletic training, except that we're choosing to examine an athletic trainer who has had a unique experience in their career. These will likely be arenas we may not have heard about an athletic trainer being in before, or just an unusual opportunity for an athletic trainer to advance themselves. Injury-free is a mobile, real-time injury documentation and reporting platform that allows athletic trainers to create an injury report, update symptoms, and document treatments from any mobile device. With HIPAA and FERPA compliance, it is the only platform to provide injury reporting and CDC concussion education training in the same system. Streamline communications, keep your athletic program in compliance, and minimize your administrative burden. Visit InjureFree.com to schedule a live demo. Today we have Holly Hartley, who is a graduate of the California Baptist program, where she did an entry-level master's in athletic training. Prior to that, she has an undergraduate degree in dance, and over the summer, she had the opportunity to travel with the Pacific Crest Drum and Bugle Corps. We're really excited to talk with her and hope that you can get something away from her experience. Hi, Holly. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. We're really excited to talk to you about your experience uh, this past summer with the Pacific Crest Drum and Bugle Corps. Um, If you could start off by telling us just kind of what made you interested in working with them or how did all of this come about? Well, it actually was the first opportunity that was brought to me right at my graduation, maybe a couple days after I walked, and um, a good friend of mine had thought of me because I had bugged her so incessantly about any type of performing arts opportunities since my background is in dance, and she had mentioned something about a drum line or a drum and bugle corps. I feel like she might have said drum line at the time, so of course I'm thinking like drum line in the movie, yeah. <laughs> and I was just, you know, I was a little bit nervous because I had no idea what that entailed. I just thought, okay, it probably has to do with some choreography, a performance, and they're holding instruments and drums. So I definitely wanted to know a little bit more background information. And as soon as I got a little synopsis, I was so on board and it included traveling around the country, which is always a plus. So I wanted to challenge myself and I thought what better way than to take the first opportunity that came at me. And just, I thought it fit really well. Yeah. So can you tell us um, a little bit, you said, you know, you got to kind of, you kind of got a synopsis of uh, what your position would entail, or maybe just about, you know, what the drum and bugle corps is. Can you tell us a little bit about what that was? Yeah. So 
The drum and bugle corps is called Pacific Crest, and it consists of at least about 150 performers. Wow. And they are the most incredible. They're just so dedicated. They're from the age range is from 15 to 21. They have a very rigorous rehearsal schedule starting. They do winter auditions, which is December, January. Then they have to get the music together and figure out, you know, what the theme of their show is going to be, what they're competing against, um, you know, what their competitors are maybe coming up with for the summer. Then they kind of have to get you know, everything just perfectly aligned until about April. And that's when they'll start rehearsing at Diamond Bar High School. And then they kind of go around different high schools um, around Orange County uh, as long as they can get any type of field surface to perform on and rehearse. And then starting May, about Memorial Weekend is really when the show is finalized and then middle of June starts the tour, and it goes until middle of August. Okay, so you were on tour with them for most of the summer. Yes, I met, my interview was Memorial Day weekend, so I got to go to the high school and see a little bit of their day, um, what that entailed. They actually do a very rigorous warm-up and um They have a personal trainer with them that's there to oversee and make sure that they're getting the endurance right and that they're staying in shape because a lot of them get out of shape, you know, the second tour is over and then they have to lose that uh, weight again. But they they really go from at least rehearsal wise before tour, like 8 a.m. to 7 at night. It's really intense. Wow. Yeah. So. Um, have they used an athletic trainer previous to you or how did they get introduced to the idea of having an athletic trainer on tour with them? No, that was the most exciting aspect. Actually, they had always had either an EMT or, you know, a mom is a nurse. And so she offered her time. Uh I think they had maybe had a physical therapist, a few years back, I might be mistaken, but simple health care like that. And then their health, um, health leader is Jim Olea and he is out of Chicago. So he, he's an EMT, so he has his services, but he had gone to a seminar, I think, uh, talking about athletic trainers in the performance industry. And they had asked, you know, they were looking for one, they knew their background, they knew about their emergency responder background, as well as their um, traditional setting. And I think that they just knew with what they have in their 150 performers and their amount of injuries, that that was something really, really necessary. They needed someone to look at it orthopedically instead of just being there for sniffles and colds and headaches. Um, And they were so excited that they could actually afford to hire one on. And they really wanted one there the whole time. And that was my favorite part was talking to them. They just, they truly understood what an athletic trainer was. They didn't call me a personal trainer. They didn't tell me how they could get in shape Mm -hmm. or ask me how they could get in shape. They respected me. They admired everything about what an athletic trainer was, and especially living in the state of California. It was just such an honor to really know. They knew what they were talking about. They have their performers' best interest at heart, and they pretty much wouldn't say no for an answer. They kind of they just wanted me on right away, which was pleasant but a little bit scary at the same time. That's really cool. Do you know how they came to 
uh, the decision of an athletic trainer or how they came to get knowledgeable about what the athletic trainer provided? I feel like I do, but for some reason I'm drawing a complete blank. That's okay. Uh, I'm so sorry. I remember Stuart, he's the executive director, talking to me uh, the interview day, Memorial Day weekend, about somehow how he found out about us or knew that they absolutely needed one. And you know what? I'm a competitive other drum and bugle corps might have had one mm. and maybe their injuries had subsided or their sickness was a lot lower than the previous years. And so they knew they needed to get one on board. But I know that very few drum and bugle corps have them, which is why I'd like to be an advocate for them because after this summer, it is definitely a 100% necessity. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, so I know that your undergraduate is in dance and then you have your master's in athletic training. So how do you feel like your previous experience as a performer prepared you for what you dealt with when you were traveling with them? Um, that was a really neat part. I think if I didn't have my dance background, I would be a little bit more maybe confused at what like the movement they were doing or how much time they were rehearsing. You know, I think some people might think that was like abuse, or yeah. but with my background, I mean, I toured China for a whole summer and we rehearsed from, you know, seven in the morning until 10 at night. And China is so hot and the humidity is always a hundred percent. And we had some of those days this summer. And I think knowing choreography background, knowing steps, knowing to look at it biomechanically and think, you know, oh, they're using their upstage leg when really, if they change that movement just slightly and use their downstage leg first, that might help them decrease, you know, chronic pain or a chronic injury that would be happening since they're performing, you know, almost three months in a row. Um, I was able to look at that and, and they really appreciated, you know, I never wanted to stand on anyone's toes, but if I saw something that I knew could be greatly affected in a positive way, I spoke up and just said, Hey, you know how you do that lunge at like five minute marking point, you know, how about you guys just transition your body a little bit here and make sure they're activating the glutes this way. I think that would help, you know, limit the amount of injuries I've been seeing or low back pain because they're holding 30, 40 pound instruments in their arms. And, um, I was able to really understand like, and what muscles they're using and how intricate it is. And it's just very slight movement, but it's constant and it's chronic and it's for their show is about 13 minutes. And they did that show over and over and over again throughout the day rehearsing and knowing the stamina you need, knowing the nutrition you need, knowing the water you need, knowing the movements and what activators to actually utilize to, to keep your body strong enough. So you're not overcompensating and using the wrong musculature my brain just it clicked with that with dance and I dealt with that at undergrad a lot and learned injury prevention for dancers and 
these are athletes. They're, you know, that yes, they're band members, but they're athletes and they're performers and they are dancers. There's color guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to look at them and, you know, they don't have a lot of technique, but they are throwing rifles and flags in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Really gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> Where you almost uh, kind of get into the stunts area. You know, you're getting maybe yeah. away from performance and more into stunts. So we're, um, and forgive me if I'm, if I'm misspeaking on, on how to label these people, but were the, the coaches or the choreographers, were they receptive to the uh, changes that you suggested or how did that go about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I never would just, you know, walk on the field and say, hey, 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 and interrupt. Sure, sure. I just tried to, to, to be aware of a certain, you know, a proper place and a proper time that would be necessary to just offer my assistance. And I said, hey, you don't need to do anything with this, but I was just watching. And I noticed that that's putting a lot of stress on the knee, or I'm noticing like, you know, they're, they're lowering their upper body when really they need to keep straight and keep their core tight. Mm-hmm. Is there any way that, um, you could change it ever so slightly where it didn't affect the look of the choreography, but it would really enhance the nature of the members' bodies and just keep them, you know, safe from, gaining any chronic things. And they were really, really, you know, they were thankful to have that, you know, not every, you don't always have someone looking out for your best interests. And I obviously wasn't there to steal anyone. This was my first time. Most people that volunteer, they're alumni or they've been involved with some somehow, and this was me brand new. So having dance, I think they allowed me to trust, you know, allowed them to trust me mm-hmm. and know, you know, this girl knows what she's talking about. She's just not here to hand out Advil or got it. Yeah. Thigh, you know? Yeah. So do you feel like an athletic trainer who doesn't have a dance or a performance background could be successful in this arena as well? Absolutely. I mean, they are just as much athletes as a soccer player, as a basketball player. Mm -hmm. They have the drive. They have the stamina. They have the motivation. I mean, these kids pay themselves, well, their parents, but $4,000 to do this summer tour. You know, they're not getting paid and they want to be there. So when they have an issue, they come up to you and they say, Hey, my shoulder hurts. Like I've never had this problem before. And I've done this three years in a row now. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. You know, any athletic trainer, I hope would be able to understand and be compassionate and absolutely look at the shoulder. So it helps to kind of understand like a choreographic background or at least what their movements, but anyone could figure out lunging and running and standing for a great amount of period of time that's going to affect all similar musculature in everyone. So absolutely, this is not just for performing artist, athletic trainer background. This is for anyone who wants to enhance their field from the traditional athletic setting, who wants to strive to challenge themselves to be put in a different environment and say, okay, I have the tools I need in my belt. What makes this different than being at a football game? I mean, it really is like being at a football game. It's just scratch sports and you're watching halftime show. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) You know, something could happen. One of my flag girls had her pole hit her straight in the head and she had a horrible concussion as well as the most giant goose egg I've ever seen on her head. But you know, you, you definitely have to be ready and you don't think anything's going to happen because it's just a choreographic dance and marching with instruments, but it is, 
It's very intense. Yeah. So I guess it would be, you know, like when we get assigned to any other new sport where you have to learn the language and start to build the rapport with the coaches and the athletes. So maybe there's a little bit more of a learning curve because maybe we're not as familiar with uh, dance or choreography terminology, but it, it really wouldn't be any more difficult than any other sport. No, the only thing I found I needed to like do my background uh, research on was the instruments because they all categorize themselves as um, a mellophone or baritone or drums or, you know, color guard or flag. And so you, if you don't know what the hell a mellophone is, the only one I knew was trumpet or like trombone or tuba, you know, but they don't call them. The only person that calls themselves by the actual instrument name is trumpet. Otherwise it's baritone, mellophone. I might be forgetting one. So that was where I had to be like, okay, how do they hold their instrument? What are the mechanics behind this? So I know like what they're chronically holding all day. Yeah, That's something I needed to do to know what they were utilizing more of, what they were undercompensating, overcompensating for because some are heavier, some are light, some are, you know, the drums are strapped over their shoulders. Um, so that was a little bit of the background stuff I needed to do because I had no idea what that meant or how much they weighed. And they carry those things around like there's a million dollars in their pocket. Yeah. They're babies, you know, so, yeah. Interesting. So then kind of give us like a day in the life or tell us about, you know, the kind of day-to-day or week-to-week experience that you had traveling with this team and maybe how it's different or the same as what you would experience with, you know, a a more traditional athletic training setting. Yeah. So I'll say a typical day and then I'll do a week. So a typical day was depending on our traveling schedule, usually wake up was between, you know, sometimes we had breakfast at seven. So I needed to be up at six 30, have my table out. Um, otherwise, is, you know, so between six and 10, depending on you need to, I got up like a half an hour before set up my table, had my kit. Um, and I just, you know, I was aware I, the very first day I got there, I, you know, I introduced myself to the everyone and made them known, like someone's here to help you orthopedically and just with sickness. So I always was set up at every meal. So Mm -hmm. that was, that was my kind of treatment times was, the hour during breakfast, an hour during lunch, and an hour during dinner. Um, I usually would have them eat first because that's very important and drink um, because the days were never cold. And um, then they would come and see me. And most, a lot of it was a lot of illness. Um, So we have a full, you know, medicine cabinet as well, full of anything you could think of as well as, you know, tape and band. If an athlete was sicker than I could handle or, One week we had a really bad case of pink eye Um, that meant going to urgent care with them because we do have a lot of underage. So I would have my operations manager take me to urgent care and that spent, that usually meant most of the day because it would always be more than one person that Mm -hmm. needed something. We had a lot of strep throat this summer. We had um, potential, we actually had a really bad mono case. So those are things that can come up. And it's your responsibility unless, um, you know, there are are nurses there. You can kind of um, 
pick and choose who goes what or take turns Mm -hmm. was one week where I was by myself the whole time. So I had to, I had to be at urgent care unless they were over age. And I, and I made sure they were okay with being by themselves because some of them are a little bit socially inept and they (laughs) can't really communicate their aches and pains and feel a little bit uncomfortable out of state and being away from family. So I made myself available, especially so I could relay to the doctor their signs and symptoms since a lot of them would just sit there. Um, So if I didn't go to urgent care and I had a, a pretty mellow morning, everyone was doing okay, I always put a sign up or made sure, you know, athletic trainer in the hallway or athletic trainer in room, whatever, mm-hmm. or I would go out and just kind of check on the field, make, you know, make myself aware if anyone needed me. Mm-hmm. They do go back and forth with like, you know, do we want you on the field all the time? Because that makes them come to you more or if uh. they're just too tired and they want out, you know, they're going to make up a, a pain sure. or not want you there. And then it's taking time away from them rehearsing because they're trying to find you. So that was a little bit of an issue that kind of went on throughout the summer of that back and forth of, you know, what's best, like set up a station all day outside and uh-huh. I get heat stroke. Yeah. Or- <laughs> you know, go back and forth throughout the air conditioning and not. So, um, that's the day. And then dinner time, same thing, set up your table. If we have to leave, if we have to travel that night, I, uh, and we only have like, you know, half an hour after dinner to get packed up and on the buses, I just, I don't set up my table. I just make myself aware and I can have them sit if I need to bandage anything or take their temperature or vitals. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we pack up. So we travel at night, which is also a really big factor on illness and sickness. Definitely. I luckily enough got to be on the RV. So I got to sleep horizontal, but a lot of the members, actually every member has to sleep vertical pretty much because they're on a bus. Um, The only thing where they could get on the RV is if they needed to be in quarantine. Oh, I see. we have to put them on the RV with us because them being in those close quarters on the bus, um, it just gets everyone sick. Yeah. <laughs> so we, you know, that's hard because they literally have 12 to 15 hour days of rehearsals and then they barely get to have a good enough sleep. If we are traveling at night and we have enough time the next day, you know, sometimes wake up was at 10 or 11. So if we arrived at 5 a.m., they could at least sleep in their blowout bed for five hours. Uh-huh. So that part's the hardest because, you know, you work all day, you're in the heat, um, people are on you left and right. I need this. My shoulder hurts. I have a stomach ache. I threw up. Yeah. Uh, And then you just got to, and our air conditioning broke on the RV. So traveling through the South was real fun. Oh no. And uh, (laughs) I actually contracted like really bad vertigo just from riding so you know bumpy yeah and sleeping and so I like taught myself the Epley maneuver and tried to do that (laughs) a thousand times and that actually works great so for anyone out there with vertigo do the Epley maneuver (laughs) Um, so that was something you had to deal with so honestly there were only a few states where we stayed at the site and we stay at high schools or Mm -hmm. middle schools okay so when you arrive it's five or six in the morning. I could either choose to just stay sleeping in the RV or get my luggage out, go to a classroom. They always have the admin assistants get there, bef- you know, a few hours before, check out the school, 
place you in certain rooms according to, you know, healthcare, kitchen staff, Mm -hmm. costume ladies, um, and you set up your blow up mattress and you sleep until you got to get up. Um, so that's a hard thing for sure, but kind of cool to like see different schools and different settings and different States. Yeah. But also creepy to like sleep in someone's classroom. (laughs) Um, Um, but yeah, that was it. I mean, there were days where, you know, five days in a row we traveled at night or in Texas, we got to be in Kyle, Texas for four days out of sight. So that was great because you kind of get in a routine and there were, you know, I had some time, free time where I could work out and get a workout in because you kind of sit a lot. Yeah. Um, sure. So I would get a little crazy about, you know, needing a little Staying sweat active. or something. Yeah. But um, it's all dependent on the site and how many performances you have. We usually had about four or five performance a week and those days are really, really fun, but they're fast and they're busy and you just go, go, go. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. I, you had mentioned that, um, sometimes there's an additional, uh, healthcare practitioner with you. Can you expand a little bit on that? Yes. So one week I was just by myself, but that's because a nurse, something happened and she had to cancel last minute. So most weeks I either had an EMT with me, a nurse, and I think at one point I had two EMTs and two nurses. So that was like overboard on health, but also, yeah. um, but they like to, that's what they've always had. Just the people that know basics on CPR, first aid, general, you know, healthcare with sickness and illness, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. So when I did have an EMT and a nurse, we divvied up our duties. So anyone with a musculoskeletal problem, they would come to me. If someone was complaining of heat exhaustion or feeling sick to their stomach or really bad sore throat, I would send them to the EMT or the nurse. Mm -hmm. So that was nice. Um, however, the week I was by myself, I had to find a balance, but take care of it all because there was no one else. So that was really stressful, but you just, you have to be able to be an advocate for yourself. And if you need 30 minutes to eat and, you know, cause they would come to me in my room when I was trying to eat. And I just Uh said, not now, like, please come back in 10 minutes. I just, I need to be able to like be alive. So I get for you you a minute. Yeah. So, um, the balance is good to be able to kind of expand with different illnesses and injuries, um, Mm -hmm. for sure. But that was the majority of, Hey, you know, if you have a cough, go see Alejandro. If you, you know, have an earache, um, Sherry will be there to help you. If you have sprained your ankle, like hop up on my table. So it, it sounds like, um, you know, like in a typical athletic training setting, a lot of it was kind of triage. Did you find yourself doing much rehabilitation? Um, some of them were a lot more interested in like wanting exercises to do on their downtime. Uh-huh. And others were, I don't want to call them malingerers, but I think just like kind of wanted to hang out and see what I was doing because they okay. hadn't you know, really ever been around that. Yeah. Um, there was a trumpet player that needed such bad glue activation and I, I just, he was like, I really want to get this down. Like I can tell, I can tell how I feel differently when you told me to, you know, activate this way. And so I gave him a few exercises and he, he was pretty consistent. He would like come in and do them on the floor where I was treating with other people. And, you know, you could just tell they're all dedicated, obviously, mm-hmm. but it just comes down to 
wanting to just put in that little bit of extra time or how bad they're hurting or how bad it's bothering them during a rehearsal or a show or sometimes you know wouldn't it wouldn't hurt in a show because of the adrenaline Mm -hmm, or or whatever but it really killed them throughout rehearsals so rehab was not as consistent as it could have been but there Mm -hmm. definitely were times that I like to talk I like to teach my members or any of my athletes, um, anything that they can do to themselves as well. So they don't have to constantly come to me and say, Hey, or like, Hey, you did that thing to me. Like remind me really quick and I can just go do it. That's Mm -hmm. to me. So any type of manual therapy or any type of exercise that they know they can just tackle themselves or use with a foam roller or something, I'm so game. And, And they were very appreciative of that and thankful that, you know, they hadn't really heard that before. And I think that just meant a lot that I, I took the time to like sympathize with them and empathize, Mm -hmm. know that, you know, if you take this little time to really enhance your, your movement and your playing, I think this is going to help you a lot. And, and some really took that to heart and some, you know, didn't, but yeah, (laughs) yeah. It, um, it really depended on, I think, the severity of how bad they felt as well. That makes sense. I mean, again, like a, like a typical athlete that, that yeah. you would deal with in a traditional setting. Yeah, 100%. Um, so you've mentioned travel quite a bit. Did you get to see any cool places, get to, experiencing, get to experience anything unique uh, that maybe the typical athletic trainer wouldn't? Or was it pretty run-of-the-mill type stuff? Um, do you mean like cool sightseeing or like injuries or anything, anything? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, they do allow us to have free days uh, depending, you know, on our schedule and what state we're in and how Mm -hmm. much time they can allot us. But we had a free day in San Antonio, which was really fun. So you, the river walk is really popular there. Like all the shops and restaurants along the river. Uh Uh, So the members love, you know, they really look forward to that. Everyone kind of gets cute and dressed up and we all kind of disperse for the day and then have like a general meeting point. And, Mm -hmm. um, it's nice to have that free time. And, you know, I can decide to go with the other staff members or hang out with just the healthcare people and me or my, my operations manager was amazing. And he always, you know, treated us and took us out, which was great. So you definitely can have that social experience and a few, you know, a day off and just Mm -hmm. relax and not have to worry about being on call or someone walkie talking you from across the world. And, you know, you can sit back and have a nice meal and and do some sightseeing and some shopping. And, um, I got to actually, they were really neat about if you had like family or friends, um, in that state and, you know, if I had, obviously I wouldn't do this, but if I was by myself, but if I had enough help that night and there was a show, like my cousin lives in Boston Mm -hmm. and we were in Massachusetts and I hadn't seen her in like probably six years because she's always lived in Florida or um, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. And I asked if I could go see her um, after the show and they were so supportive and just said, you know, be back at this time. Yeah. We'll get you here. And I got to, I took the train. Um, it was like maybe 20 minutes uh-huh. to Boston and she picked me up and took me to like the most amazing restaurant and this like rooftop bar. And it just, it was really neat to be able to like, wow, I can see my family and be on tour and Definitely. go sightsee for a little bit. And then obviously just be responsible and be back on time. And, and, um, get, and be getting paid the whole time. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they That's were, really cool. you know, I don't know if all drum corps, I think everyone's different, but this core especially is just, they have your best interest at heart. They're not like slave drivers and they just, they want you to enjoy them so you can come back. And, um, they just, they're very workable with you. And I never felt nervous or scared to speak up. I mean, there were days where I, it was hard and I didn't, I didn't like it, you know, but it was new to me. And I, I spoke up and I just said like, this is really challenging to me. Like, is there anything you can do to help me, you know, feel better or whatever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, as the weeks progressed, it was just such an incredible experience. I mean, I can't think of anything I've done in my life that really coincides along with it and you get to sightsee I mean I got to see I got to go to so many different states I've never even been to that I probably would never go to like yeah. why would I go to Kansas or why would I go uh-huh. to Ohio you know but um that opportunity was so neat and the best part if you are a big sports not like a lot of athletic trainers are is you get to go to giant stadiums like I got to go to the Lucas Oil Stadium and oh, be oh wow and, you know, walk where the Colts walk and just thrive in those environments and get to like know what it feels like to walk out of those doors and look up at the stadium and see people looking down at you. I mean, I wasn't performing, but I walked in with them and sure, sure. was on the field making sure everything was going smoothly. And you get to get that rush, you know, whether you're a really cool experience. performing. So if anyone wants to see really exciting stadiums and, you know, be at unique venues and be able to touch that ground that pros walk on and just mm-hmm. experience like the Alamo Dome in San Antonio was insane, like... And that's when you get to see the really neat formations of all of the different drum corps uh-huh. performances and how they, you know, move together. And um, it's really – and then you have free time. On performance days, it's rad because you have free time after. You can go out to eat. You can go see the town. You can take a cab somewhere. Uber is all over the world except yeah. Texas. And, um, yeah, it just – you had your free time and you worked your – little fanny off as well. So, I mean, it's, it's a huge experience. So if there were other athletic trainers that wanted to get involved in this type of arena, what, what could you recommend for them? Where, where could they go? Or, you know, what's your, what's your thoughts on that? Um, there is a website called Drum Corps International, and it should have a list of all of the drum corps around the world the coolest thing about, you know, Pacific Crest is, yeah, they practice at Diamond Bar, but half of the members live out of state. You know, you don't have to be an Orange County resident. You don't have to be an athletic trainer in Orange County. You could uh-huh. live in Hawaii and come do this for the summer. So sure. um, as long as you look up, you know, Drum Corps International and you can see every state that has them, there's, you know, like maybe five in California. The Blue Devils are really huge. Um, the C- Oregon Crusaders, if you find their executive director's email, or there should be a healthcare coordinator, hopefully, mm-hmm. that's starting to get bigger for them out there uh, at a seminar I went to in Texas. Um, but there are some contacts for sure. I think, I can't, dang it, I can't think of the name. There's like Drum Corps Initiative or Drum Corps medical group there's a facebook page and they 
will love to sign anyone on or just be a member really. And then you can kind of, um, be able to get word about if any, um, drum and bugle corps are interested in having an athletic trainer or willing to just do some volunteering at their auditions or summer camps. Um, so that, that's definitely an option. I mean, they're just always looking for help and people to come alongside them and support them and know that these are indeed athletes too. They're not just a bunch of marching people, you know, they're dedicated, driven athletes that work very, very hard to, to be able to do this performance until they're 21. Yeah, definitely. And, um, if you wouldn't mind, maybe we can share your email, uh, you know, on the site that we'll have the podcast posted and maybe people could get in touch with you if they had additional questions. Yeah, I would love that. That would be absolutely, I would be very open to that. I'm so supportive of this group and spent after spending the summer with them, I'm all I want to do is be able to get get the word out there that they, they need, they need this healthcare and they're so supportive and admirable of what we do that, you know, why not pay it forward and be willing to come alongside them? Yeah. And it sounds like, you know, if, if as athletic trainers, we can kind of just take a step outside of that traditional thinking, um, of those areas that we've, uh, come from as a profession and start to permeate more into these different arenas that there is a, a large audience that, um, not only could we serve, but is very open to having us there. And maybe even sounds like is a little bit more appreciative or understanding of what it is that we do. Yeah, that was very refreshing to be around, especially because most people still, you know, not in the traditional settings, they still don't know, you know, what we are capable of or what our actual roles are intended for. And I definitely want to keep anyone from, you know, constantly thinking we're personal trainers or uh, in that type of setting. So um, it's just beautiful to be able to be around such an incredible company and performing group that just really has that performance skill set and those values and you know they're just persistent in keeping their highest level of excellence you know going 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 yeah definitely well uh, you know thank you so much for joining us today like I said we will share your um email with those people that are interested in getting any, any more information. Is there anything else that you wanted to share with us that maybe we haven't asked or do you feel like you covered it pretty well? Um, I think, I think I got a good, um, a good amount of information in there. Just if you are interested, um, they're always looking for help or volunteers with auditions this winter or some, you know, spring, summer camps or something since they are in Orange County area. So, um, yeah, just look for Pacific Crest or give me an email or I'll try and, um, find the information about the drum corps health team. I forget what it's called. I need to find that, but, um, yeah, just being an advocate and getting it out there for everyone to just be a little more knowledgeable about. All right. Well, thank you again for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we will definitely continue to advocate for the performing arts and the different emerging practices that athletic trainers can get into. We appreciate you sharing your experience with us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. No problem.
Proactive is a unique, state-of-the-art performance institute that integrates unparalleled sports performance training with rehabilitative services in a single facility. Their two facilities in Southern California provide a professional, innovative, and friendly training environment that is designed to meet the diversity of performance needs. Proactive's methods have been featured on ESPN, CNN, HBO, Fox Sports, ABC, and in Men's Health Magazine. Visit ProactiveSP.com for more information and get started today. Trusted by the most respected physical therapists, athletic trainers, and orthopedic surgeons, AthletesMobility.com is the go-to place to find fitness products that are designed to help athletes move better, feel better, and recover better. Performing at your peak can be obtained without injury with the correct products and knowledge. Why wait for the injury to happen when you can prevent it? Visit athletesmobility.com for more information. Holly is a great example of an athletic trainer who stepped outside of her comfort zone and was able to take advantage of an opportunity that other athletic trainers may not have considered. It sounds like going into it, she had her hesitations, and even during the tour, there were some low points, but now she has come out of that experience being an advocate for athletic trainers in this setting. Holly was drawn to this opportunity because of her background in dance, but it makes me wonder how many other athletic trainers are out there that have a passion for something and maybe just haven't pursued it because it doesn't exist or there is no clear direction for them to go in. You know, when I started Advantage, there were very few businesses in the country that were ran by athletic trainers who contracted out athletic trainers. And though I may have had trepidation at first, it has been a really fun adventure to be on. And, you know, I realize that venturing off the beaten path may not be for everybody, but the advancement of our profession depends on those people like Holly. I mean, who knows? Her time with this drum and bugle corps could have just opened up doors for an entirely new adjunct of athletic training. And who's to say that she didn't just potentially create several new jobs for athletic trainers from the impact that she has made with this one team? So when opportunities are presented to us, sometimes it's hard to see how much of an impact they will make, you know, like the ripple effect that it could have by saying yes. And we are still so young as a profession with so many arenas that have been yet to tapped. If finding a niche like drum and bugle cores helps advance our profession and keep a young professional like Holly active in athletic training, Who knows what other possibilities are out there? I would say next time you are presented with something unique to do in athletic training, I encourage you to consider the larger impact you could potentially have on your career, on your community, the profession, 
and others who may come after you. Thank you for listening today. And as always, if you have questions or comments, please use the hashtag Q&AT on any of our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at The Advantage. Thank you to Mr. Logistics who created the sound you've heard throughout the podcast and catch us next time when we will be talking about negotiations. Negotiations.